afternoon, starting at 9 o'clock. Uh, well, you can hear pretty well in this church. I was hearing, George, you, I heard you, you, you were talking. I heard what you said to me. So, so. In this church, you, I always say you do not gossip in this church because you will hear, you, you will hear very quickly. You will hear very quickly. Um, February 3rd, we have a work day starting at 9 o'clock. And it is the little song. It's the work day that never ends. So we're not putting a time at the end, but be here at 9 and we'll serve lunch. 9 o'clock, February 3rd. Everybody show up. Everybody be happy. Did I say the 3rd? Yeah, okay. Everybody be happy. The women are sacrificing. The women's ministry. Some men we need to sacrifice also. I know it's an incredible sacrifice for you. Um, could we take this morning's offering? This offering will go to expenses of the church. Thank you for your giving. And it's amazing to me that we get to do this as a sign of worship to the Lord. It's not just about putting something in. You know, we're studying the Old Testament on Wednesday nights. You're welcome to come. We're doing the latter half of the book of Exodus this week. But it's amazing how those offerings meant so much as their sacrifice. And our offerings are just a sacrifice to the Lord. Steve, would you pray? Worship the Lord this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he has done great things, hasn't he?
his word says, greater things will you do, right? That's what Jesus told his disciples. Greater things will you do in my name, not on our own, right? But only by his name and in his power, amen?
thankful for the Lord's faithfulness this morning. Give him a hand clap of praise as our pastor comes to bring the word. morning in Sunday school, if you weren't here, Bev preached most of my message, so uh, she's been known to do that since I've been here. Uh, I'm still going to mention the peas, all right? Uh, turn to Matthew 5. I, I, I need to say this, and I, I, if I haven't mentioned it, we have preached in a lot of sizes of churches. Been out there when literally 10,000 have been there, literally, and we loved it, and Wendy and I went through a period of time where we didn't enjoy going to church. We loved God, but it seemed like we were uh, not in a bad place, but in a place where God was molding and shaping us. He does that at times in our life. But uh, great is his faithfulness. I have enjoyed every single Sunday we've been here. It's been great. It's been a wealth of strength to us. Thank you so much. We're proud to be your pastors. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, the eighth verse, we've been going over the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' greatest message, uh, one we need to take to heart. Um, I'm going to give you an announcement. Easter is March 31st. And uh, I'm going to do a series in March. I'm going to switch up this, and I'm going to do characters of Easter. And I'm going to talk about characters who are around the cross. And uh, we're going to finish up with the greatest character on Easter, Jesus, who is the Son of God who paid the price for us. So I am uh, probably going to do some things that uh, I don't know if any pastor's ever done with y'all. I'm going to take a, a little flyer that we'll make, and I'm going to knock on a lot of doors in this neighborhood. I'm going to invite people to church. And... Uh, if you want to help me, you can. Uh, if not, pray for me because I'll probably wear tennis shoes and I'll go around and we will have fun. But I think people in the neighborhood need to know that there's a light here and that light is Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Matthew 5, 6. Thank you. I was wrong again, Harold, not you and the guys back there. I need to understand what passage I'm preaching from. It really helps the pastor. Matthew 5, 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for or after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God, we only become righteous by you through your son's blood. And today, I ask you that we wouldn't be right but we would be righteous when we'd leave this place. Filled with your righteousness, hungering after you. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name that we can gather. And God's people said, amen. amen. There are those that want to be right. You ever meet them? So I'm in Panera the other day. I hang out there a lot, don't I? I go there. I'm the sip club, so I get the coffee. I pay like nine, eleven ninety nine. The best purchase ever made by me. Uh, free coffee every morning. You load it up. Uh, I had two this morning, so I'm, no, I'm just, I, I did have two, but I'm, you know, I'm not caffeined out. Uh, I could be. Um, 
But there were men in the booth next to me arguing, Joe Montana is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Man, they were on it. And he had Montana's facts down. I knew the facts. Four Super Bowls, 11 touchdowns, 11, no interceptions. Look at Mahomes. He's throwing interception every, and he's, but he's young. He's won two. He's won two out of three. Joe Montana never lost one. So they're arguing about this. I was just drinking my coffee trying to get God's mind and I wasn't getting it. So I did move. Uh, it's amazing what we think we're right at and wrong at. There, I was in college in a master's degree class. And we did the passage in Leviticus 16 where Jesus takes, you know, the high priest takes the two goats on the Day of Atonement. And one he sacrifices and the other he lays hands on and sends it out into wilderness representing that our sins will be sent out there. And I had two guys that took, I was paying $310 an hour for these classes. Yeah, I needed God's help. Uh, can we take another offering? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but I'm saying that, uh, so I... I was taking these classes, and these guys, it'd be like you'd be in a football practice, and guys want to spend the whole time fighting, not doing play. Come on, quit fighting. Let's, you know what I mean? So I'm sure you, know, you get into fights and that. But they were fighting about whether it was the wilderness or whether it was the desert. 30 minutes on, was it the wilderness or the desert? I said, what does it make a difference? I'm paying $310 an hour. And this guy kept on, and the professor just, I'm saying, will you get control of this class? The wilderness or the desert. I was thinking today the Crusades weren't a pretty good idea either, were they? Let's go over to the Muslim world and shove a sword down their throat and prove that we're Christians. We have made some mistakes in Christianity to be right. It's one thing to win an argument. It's another thing to be right with God. Righteousness only comes because God, we use the word impunid in the Christian church. That means God has credited righteousness for our sake. Two types of righteousness. Note the first one. It's called self-righteousness. Jesus attacked those people more than any other people in the New Testament. He got on the Pharisees because they wanted to look good. They wanted to be right. Look at me. Live like me. And they were had rules that they couldn't even live by. I believe this about Christianity. If, I said this Wednesday night, if Christians really lived like they should, there'd be much more people following Jesus. Because what we've got is we have Christians that say one thing and do another, and people, people look at that, and they look at our life. And we need to quit being self-righteous and just be authentic before God. And when you do wrong, ask for forgiveness and move on. Even if it's from someone that doesn't know the Lord, we need to ask forgiveness. They're wronged and we, need, we don't need to be right. We need to be righteous. There's the other kind of righteousness that's given by Jesus. He said, when you seek after this righteousness, you'll be filled and you will be satisfied. This is a present, I'm really not an English major, but I do know this is a present participle that means continuously being filled. What fills our hunger? Are you ready, Bev? Uh, what fills our hunger? She was in class this morning and said there's a lot of peas for the, the world and, and what I'm just saying there's a lot of peas that fill our hunger. Number one is performance. How do I do at work? Because that's all I am. How many times I've been on a plane hundreds and hundreds of times? So you sit next to a man. It's still the case. Sit next to a man. How you doing? What do you do? He's there, man. This is, I'm an engineer. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. This man, I am, I am what I do. You sit next to a gal. 
taking out pictures, the grandkids taking out, you know, they just, they're, they love their work, but it's not what they do. Prove it. Okay. I'll prove it at the cross. Who was at the cross? Women. You know why? They love Jesus. They were emotionally invested. What did the men say? Bad idea to be here. They're gone. So I'm just not, I mean, women or men are different, but I will say this in work, men get tied up in what they do because they are feeling that I've got to perform. It feeds me. The other thing they do is possessions. What I have, what I own is what I've got a hunger to do that. I've got, a, I, I, I just bought a brand new range of the guy will step and say, you know, I got an F-150. Yeah, no. It's what I possess. Another thing that people love, especially pastors, they love that power. You look at their little cars and it doesn't say pastor. It says lead pastor. They want you to know I'm in the lead. I'm lead pastor. I'm not teaching pastor. I'm not discipleship pastor. I'm lead pastor. So it's like, come on, guys. I know. Yeah, you're probably leading and nobody else is following. You're taking a walk out in the parking lot. Uh, But it's amazing to me how power is a thing that people just hunger for. There's a lot of people, even if they took more salary at work, they will not lose their position because that's more important than the salary. I don't know many people like that. I do. The other thing is they follow, and we talked about this a lot, is pleasure. They seek after something that fills them, whether it's a Saturday night with all their friends drinking till somebody's got to drive them home or it's being at a, on, on college campus partying. I've seen a lot of that in my life or it's the pleasure of an adultery affair. It's the pleasure of sneaking around. It's the pleasure of there's there's one gal that we had in our church that she was giving. She was on staff shows my perception wasn't well back then. She was on staff and she got us. Oh, what? she got me a beautiful commentary for Christmas. And I went, how in the world can she afford this? She's an intern and she's, you know, she got all the staff, all six or seven of us got beautiful presents. Thank you. And I didn't realize she had stolen the church's credit card and she had bought us all gifts. Thank you very much. But that's not the way to do it, is it? But she wanted, you know, she wanted the, and she, I'd found out there, I checked her and done a background check, but that background check didn't tell me that she had a history of taking possessions from other people. I I don't know if you know that that's called stealing. Uh, But there's a lot of people that follow that. And I'm going to tell you, you're not righteous because of the power, the prestige, the performance, the money, the pleasure. You're righteous because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Amen. That's how we become righteous. Our sin, our wrong, our payment. Christ does what we cannot do. And I don't know if anyone knows this theologically. The reason Christ could die for us is not only he was the perfect sacrifice, but Jesus is the only person in this world that could have died alone. A lot of people don't think about that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus died alone. You could not die alone because God is with you. But Jesus died alone and died and the father turned and Jesus paid the price for that. If we are righteous, why do I, if if I'm in right, now this is a lot of people theologically. If I'm right with God, why do I need to seek and hunger after something I've already had? Because the Bible does say in Philippians 2.12 that we should work out our own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. So we need to be not only righteous, but if we've got the Holy Spirit in us who's right, 
then we should have propensity to work for right in our life. We should be living right because the Spirit of God talks to us, speaks to us, and we want to live right. We should have a passion, in old terms, for chasing Jesus. We should follow hard after God. I was going to ask you this before I came, but I just took a chance and did Google like everybody else does. I've got a disease. I'll Google it. Now, let's not talk to a nurse. I'll just Google it. But we're in danger area there, aren't we? But I do know this medically. If you lose your appetite, that is a sign of not only weakness. It is a sign that something is wrong in your body. A loss of appetite. The problem in America is in our appetite. It's what we're eating. I'm not talking about being overweight. We aren't going to all get convicted here. Uh, but I'm saying this. I'm talking about we are feeding in our spiritual life and our life the wrong thing. Are you hungering and thirsting after right standing with God? Because righteousness is to be in right standing with God. Are you hungering and thirsting after I want to be in right standing with God? Now that's called sanctification. There's positional and progressive sanctification. I'm not going to get into it all, but I'm going to say this to you. We should be seeking every day. To do things that God wants us to do. The problem is in America is in a lack of hunger. It's just what's the makeup of your diet. And our diet is power and prestige and all those things. Could you uh, put up John 4? We read this story before even since I've been your pastor. John the 4th chapter talks about the woman at the well. And it is an amazing story. Of Jesus who is speaking to a Samaritan woman who shouldn't be talking to a Samaritan woman. Uh, it would be John 4, 7. And Jesus is saying to them. Let's turn to John 4. Go on, you can turn there. we got time. Jesus says this in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Remember, Samaritans despised. Jesus shouldn't even be talking to this woman. So, Jesus, I, uh, (laughs) we won't go to the husband part. That's another message. Uh, His disciples had gone into town to buy food, so they weren't with him. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the, you know, for the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, verse 11, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and livestock? You got to remember this. Samaritans weren't ignorant of the Torah and were not ignorant of its teachings. So she knew the story of Jacob. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Oh, I love verse 14. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up in eternal life. What Jesus is saying is I am your spiritual substance. 
And we need, when we thirst and hunger after righteousness, we need to thirst and hunger after him, the only one that can give us righteousness, and that's Christ. Amen, church? We need to hunger and thirst after him. The Bible says in Psalm 42, 1, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Jesus is the living water. Those who strive, I believe this, those who strive for right living will be satisfied. Where I've seen dissatisfaction in life, and I've seen Christians that were living both ways. You know, that's what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is the mask. It comes from the drama term of a mask where they wore mask in plays. So you don't know who you are. So you've got that mask on in church and that mask on out there and that mask on at school and that mask in at work. And it gets confusing a little bit. And that's a miserable person. It's terrible. But those who strike living, see, I believe there's more satisfaction in hungering for God than there is in the things of the world. Christ makes us righteous. We need Christ's love, his power, his forgiveness, and what he did on the cross to make us righteous. However, know this, we need to maintain right living. How do you do that? We talked about purity and we talked about state. How do you maintain right living? I'm going to give you some basics. Number one, get in church. Get with people that are trying at least. I'm not saying we're all right, but get with people that are trying to be right. I'll guarantee you're not going to find that at Applebee's at 2 o'clock in the morning when they close down. And you're drinking at the bar or wherever you're at. You're not going to find that happiness there. You might find it temporarily and wake up with a sick feeling in the morning. But see, I believe we need to be in God's house with God's people worshiping God and hearing his word. I believe that's a good place. I do. I believe church is a good place. I believe it starts with prayer. I believe you need to pray individually and talk to God. You know, I did every morning when I left for school, when I accepted Christ, when I was a freshman in high school. Every morning, someone told me this and I practiced this. Every time I turned the doorknob to go out of my house, it was a thought. And I prayed from there to pick up the bus. I just prayed. Every morning, my prayer time wasn't, I got up, I did. But every morning, I remember, turned the door. God and I, communication. Have a time. You know, I'm not talking, we need habitual things in our life. It's okay. But have a time, whether it's in the car, whether it's, have a time that you dialogue with God daily. Let Him contact you. Let Him have access to you. Not only a worship service on Sunday morning, but give Him access Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Give God access. That's what prayer does. It's not only our need, but it's giving us access to God's spirit. And God's spirit touches our spirit. And that's what worship is. I also think, and I mentioned this Wednesday night, I think we need to pray corporately. I'm thankful for the guys that come Wednesday night because I think it's going to be the foundation of the growth and the maturation of this church. Because when you pray individually, it bursts individual vision. When you pray corporately, it bursts corporate vision. When God's people gather together, something happens amazing. Look, look at the examples in the New Testament. When God's people together and there is prayer, God does something amazing. I think you want right living? Pray. Number two, I think you need to study the Bible. Read the Bible. Get in God's Word. Get a Bible you can understand, but read it. If you have questions, there is enough scholars in this church you can ask a lot of people. There's people that know more about the Bible setting right here than I do. I can promise you that. I try, but some of these guys have been serving God much longer than I have been in the Word much more. If you have a question asked, don't be afraid. Anybody in this church would be glad to help you. But we need to read God's Word. 
I'm not talking about study and getting in all that. You just need to simply sometimes sit down and have the joy of reading God's word and let his spirit speak to you. Do it. That's how you maintain. Bible says we look in a mirror. That mirror is God's word and his spirit. We need to let that gaze into our life. It merits that we do that to live right. And I think you need to be in church. I'm not saying you're going to hear the greatest message in the world every Sunday. I'm not. I'm going to give you the word. But I do believe we need to corporately hear the word of God together. I think it's important. We talked about that last night. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as such is. But so much the more as you see the day approaching. What the writer of Hebrews is saying. Get in church and get in church and hear the word. Get in church and hear, be with God's people. It's great to be with God's people. Who wouldn't want to be here? I, you're supposed to say we want to be here. Okay, good. Okay. But uh, why wouldn't you want to fellowship with God's people? Sometimes we don't want to fellowship with God's people. Because when you get around God's people, God's people can, sometimes their lifestyle can make you feel, oh, wait a minute, convicted. Because we're living it and maybe you're not. And, but that's not, a, that's, not a, that's not an arrogant thing. It's just, you know, we talked about that a little this morning. But I believe when we walk into a place, we are, I'm not saying we're, we're with Moses and the glow is coming off us. And we got the Ten Commandments and we're dropping at the counter at Panera. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying people should know that there is a difference, that we're peculiar people. That we're God's people. That we're living right. Righteousness is right standing with God. Jesus says chase after righteousness in his passage. Seek first the kingdom of God. Gathering with God's people. Reading God's word. Praying. I think, the, I, I think we do those things. But I want to jump back and say are you doing those things? Are you reading the word of God? Are you gathering with God's people? Are you praying? Even if it's, even if you're saying out of this meeting, I'm going to take five minutes a day, put it on your iPhone. I'm saying only five minutes. You have to start somewhere. Start somewhere where you read a psalm and a proverb a day, but get in God's word. Get before him so we can live right so a world can see Jesus in us. We are the light of the world. And people need to see that. They need to see that. They do, and I pray they do. I, uh, when you're righteous in Christ, I've been going 26 minutes, so just be careful there. I'm watching you. Um, when you're righteous in Christ, I want to say this. There's many times I've been in services where the preacher preach hard, and you cry, get convicted, come to the altar, pray, and go, and that's okay. That's fine. We need the altar. We need forgiveness. We all need... We need, there's, there's a relief. I remember the first night I was saved, I went home. I had never felt more pure and cleaner in my life. I went, I was, man, I, I just, I didn't know what it was, but God had relieved me of my sin. I was 14 years old and I wasn't steeped in sin, but it's not saying I wasn't a sinner. And I remember that, that feeling of relief and that it's an incredible feeling. And I think, let me say this to you. I think this is one thing worship does that we forget. The residue on the week sets on us many times. Work, people, conflict, arguments, jobs, people, parents, relatives. I'll, I'll stop there. Wives, husband, no. But I'm saying sometimes we get the residue of the week on us. And when you come in a corporate worship service as you lift up God, that residue washes up because worship has a cleansing agent to us.
it, the Spirit of God just washes us as we're letting. Let that happen to you when you come on Sundays and in your home. If you Just let God wash you. What I'm saying is, when you're right with God, I think we need to celebrate God's righteousness. Sometimes we just... We pound and we think the only scripture in the Bible is God will judge the wicked. And I know he will. But we think that's the only passage in the Bible. There's other passages where the people of God, where David said in Psalm 122, I celebrate because there was joy as we went to the house of the God. I want to do two things before we leave. Number one, I want those that are sick to stand right now. I want to pray for you that God heals you right now. Tommy, stand up. I want you to be well, completely well. Anybody else not feeling good in body or you want to stand for someone, stand for Elizabeth today, our daughter. Liz is still struggling. Um, She came Sunday. You know, you're going to put on your best face. You know, she's great, but she's still struggling and needs prayer that this thing will be solved this uh, the discharge has been solved, but she's got some problems, and I just the doctors cannot find out what's going on. Anybody else need prayer? Everett, would you stand with him in prayer? Faye, would you stand with her in prayer? Would you stand with Tommy in prayer? Here's what I believe the difference between great churches and okay churches. Great churches stand together. It's one thing I've noticed about this church. This church stands together. Let's pray for these people. Father, you're our healer today. There is no doubt that you heal bodies, you heal minds, and you heal souls. I'm not going to walk out of here believing that they're going to walk out sick, but I'm going I'm to walk out of here believing God's healing them. Heal our tremor, heal our body, heal and make us well, God. In Jesus' name, touch Elizabeth, touch Tommy. Today, touch us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, help us. God, come down today, and may your healing come. I believe in the New Testament, it says Jesus went about doing good. In healing all that were oppressed. Heal today. Make well. Make ready. May we walk out of here knowing that our God is God. That he's not second or third or God X. But he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Today, God, provide, do your work. Let the anointing rest on these people. May they walk out of here. May we walk out of here refreshed. Knowing not only we've been with God's people and heard God's word. But we've been in God's presence. Bring healing. And bring a touch to these people. May we gather again on Wednesday and Sunday. May we see friends and people get saved. May this church continue to be a place where people find Jesus and grow in Jesus. We love you, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to leave a little different today. I don't have a present for you, and I don't mean that. But... Lisa, would you come back up? We're going to sing, What a Mighty God We Serve. I am not going to sing, What a Mighty God We Serve, because there would be, you would be leaving the mighty God if I started singing. But uh, look what the Lord has done. Thank you very much. I, I changed the songs on you, and you told me what the song was. Uh, so we're going to sing, What a Mighty God We Serve. Okay. Can we sing, Look What the Lord Has Done? Because you prepared that? Okay, good. Uh, Let's stand and celebrate as we go. I'm so sorry, Lisa. Thank you.
dismissed, I'm told. Let's uh, dismiss him. Yes, we're dismissed. Yes. See you Wednesday. Look what the Lord has done. Thank <laughs> you.